Hey guys, Mark here. Before we start this episode, I just want to give a little update on Mountain State Mysteries. Sadly, we had to say goodbye to our fur caster. He would always sit in the middle of the table between me and Courtney when we were recording. Rocket made sure everything was perfect when it came to Mountain State Mysteries. So Rocket, this episode is for you. Due to the hunting nature of these haunted places, listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Courtney. And this is Mountain State Mysteries State Haunts. Point Pleasant is known for a winged humanoid known as Mothman that put Point Pleasant on the map in 1966 with multiple sightings of the dark, red-eyed creature along with UFO and ET encounters and a host of bizarre paranormal phenomena ever since the sleepy little city has been a magnet for the curious and paranormal researchers. Point Pleasant, the seat of Mason County, lies at the confluence of the Ohio and Canal Rivers, and where the rivers meet, it seems that the paranormal is often magnified. Point Pleasant may be famous for Mothman, but do you know its history of paranormal activity? The town has around 4,000 residents as of the 2020 census, and nearly all of them have a paranormal story or two. The first prominent European explorer to see the area was Robert de La Salle, who arrived in 1669. In 1749, the French explorer Paris-Joseph Celeron de Blainville gave the confluence of the rivers its name Point Pleasant. He buried a lead plaque there to stake the French claim over this part of the Ohio River Valley. In 1770, George Washington made a trip to the area to look after land grants that had been made by British proclamation in 1754. The local Indians favored the British over the French and the French lost out in the French and Indian War of 1759 through 1763. Even the British had rocky relations with the Native Americans. However, tensions boiled over in 1774 in the Battle of Point Pleasant. The battle was part of Lord Dunmore's War, a conflict between Virginia militia and the Shawnee and Mingo nations who objected to the insurgents of white settlers into the Ohio River Valley and beyond. The Shawnee, under Chief Cornstalk, attacked the Virginians at the Point Pleasant River confluence on October 10, 1774. They lost and retreated. The fighting was the bloodiest ever fought between Native Americans and white settlers in America, with the Virginians suffering 75 killed and 140 wounded. The Shawnees' losses were unknown, as they carried away their wounded and threw the dead into the river. 
the Shawnee were forced to agree to a treaty ceding all their land to the south of the Ohio River. During the American Revolutionary War, Cornstalk's position was one of neutrality. In 1777, he and his son and two other Shawnees made a diplomatic trip to Fort Randolph at Point Pleasant. There they were detained as prisoners by the commander who, on his own, had decided to take all Shawnee hostage. While the men were being held, an American soldier was killed by unknown Native Americans. Enraged soldiers at the fort shot all four Shawnee to death. An attempt was made to try the soldiers on charges murder, but they were all acquitted because none of their peers would testify against them. You're listening to State Haunts by Mountain State Mysteries. Cornstalk was buried at Fort Randolph near the Confluence in 1840. His remains were moved to the Mason County Courthouse grounds. When the courthouse was demolished in 1954, were reburied at the Confluence in what is now known as 2 Indy Wee State Park. Popular lore holds that he cursed the land before dying, but there is no historical basis to that legend. In reality, he could have died instantly after being shot at point blank range. The alleged curse surfaced as a plot device in a play performed in Point Pleasant in the early part of the 20th century. After the Revolutionary War, the area grew slowly. Point Pleasant sits on a large bed of coal, but the exploitation of it remained modest. The town also benefited from the river's commerce. During World War II, a TNT plant was constructed on State Route 62, just six miles north of town. For the manufacture of munitions, it was named the West Virginia Ordnance Works. After the war, sections of the land were deeded to the state, sold off, released, and eventually the plant was torn down. As the 20th century moved on, the fortunes of Point Pleasant slowly declined. Few people outside of West Virginia even knew Point Pleasant was a town until 1966 when the Mothman flap erupted and made headlines around the world. A strange winged dark humanoid with red eyes standing about nine feet tall was first seen in the old TNT area and then throughout the mid-Ohio River Valley. No one knew what it was, where it came from, or why it has suddenly appeared in the area. People were terrified, although in the encounters being had with the humans, it never seemed to move to harm them. The area's sky seemed to be filled with mysterious lights and unknown craft, and people reported contacts with the aliens and ETs. Journalist and paranormal author John A. Kill investigated and wrote his now classic account, The Mothman Prophecies, later made into the 2002 film starring Richard Gere. On December 17, 1967, the Mothman wave ended when the silver bridge spanning the Ohio River collapsed, sending 47 people to their death. The traffic has stalled on the bridge. Many of the occupants of the vehicles have been Christmas shopping on the Ohio side of the river. 
There was not a family in Point Pleasant untouched by this tragedy, whether through blood relations, business, or friendships. The bridge had structural faults that weakened, but many blamed the collapse on Mothman, who vanished from the scene afterwards. In 2002, an annual Mothman Festival was launched by Jeff Wamsley and Caroline Harris to showcase the original Mothman wave, celebrate the film, and bring tourism to the area. Wamsley operates the Mothman Museum in town and has authored two books on Mothman. Harris owns the Harris Steakhouse on Main Street, a gathering place for Mothman lovers. The festival has grown over the years, featuring new things each and every year. You're listening to State Haunts by Mountain State Mysteries. The Low Hotel is the biggest landmark and the only hotel in downtown Point Pleasant has a number of invisible residents who sometimes like to get the attention of the living. Guests often share their ghostly experiences with the owners, Ruth and Rush Finley, and their daughter, and they send in their photos and videos showing the mysterious phenomena. The Low Hotel opened in 1901 at the corner of 4th and Main, near the site of Point Pleasant fought on October 10, 1774. The land had been given to the Andrew Lewis as part of his payment for military service during the French-Indian War. The hotel was first called the Spencer Hotel, named after a local judge, the Honorable J.S. Spencer. Two brothers, Homer and Griff Smith, owned and operated it. A grand structure, the hotel's cost 65000 to build and boasted all of the modern conveniences. It had 45 rooms on four floors. The lobby featured a 16-foot high ceiling and a stupendous fireplace. The ground floor housed a bank, barbershop, saloon, and a wholesale liquor house. The Spencer was the center of the high society and lavish entertaining. In the 1920s, it was renowned as an elegant dance hall. When the stock market crashed in 1929 ended, the Smith brothers were forced to sell. The Homer Lowe Senior family bought the hotel that same year and changed its name to theirs. The families acquired the Lowe in 1990 and began a restoration project that is ongoing. The ground level shops and services are long gone but the lobby, with its grand fireplace and impressive griffins, is still a gathering place for guests. Today, 32 of the original rooms are in use. Then baths have been added, and some rooms have been joined into two-room suites. You're listening to State Haunts by Mountain State Mysteries. All floors at the low have haunting activity. One of the most commonly reported experiences is an eerie feeling of an unseen presence in halls and rooms. Guests say that they feel a presence when they turn a corner in the hallway or come up on the grand staircase to the second floor. Right outside of room 202 is a parlor where people report feeling a presence of a woman some have seen 
her filmy white apparition, Miss Loeb, lived in room 206. Perhaps she has decided to stay in her hotel. Guests who stay on the second floor reported hearing phantom music playing late at night and the sound of a heavy ball rolling around on the floor above when there was no one there. In room 210, a man was alone in the room taking a shower one evening when he heard someone come into the room and a female voice called his name. He thought that it could be one of his friends in his traveling party. What? He called back. The voice called his name again. What? He asked for the second time. The voice said his name for the third time. He came out of the bathroom, but no one was in the room. In another room on the second floor, a woman retired for the night and had an odd sensation of something soft, like a cloth, fluttering down from the ceiling down to her face. She put her hands up to see what it was, but there was nothing tangible there. On the third floor, room 314 has been deemed the most haunted in the hotel. It is occupied by a tall, thin man in a 1930s suit with a long beard who has appeared in a mirror. This is believed to be Sid Hatfield of the famous feuding Hatfield and McCoy families. Sid was a minor and then police chief to the town of Matewan in Mingo County and often stayed at the hotel when it was a Spencer. Room 314 was his favorite. In 1920, unrest among minors in Mingo County led to a famous shootout called the Battle of Matewan in which Hatfield was shot to death on the steps of the courthouse. His ghost at the low was photographed by two women who stayed in the room and captured an image of an unknown man. They showed the photo to Ruth Finley, who recognized Hatfield from one of the old photographs. In room 309, the bathroom light turns on by itself. Also on the third floor, there is a three-room suite that overlooks the Ohio River where guests have reported the ghost of Captain Jim, or Jimbo, as he is also known. Jimbo tells guests that he is waiting for the boat to arrive. In September 2005, Jimbo drove guests away from the room. According to Ruth Finley, riverboat captains likely stayed at the low. The fourth floor features a large ballroom where elegantly dressed guests once danced the night away. Current guests experienced spooky sensations in the ballroom, including cold spots and cold breezes. Some of the strangest hauntings is an unfinished section of the fourth floor that is used for storage. One of the items stored away is an old Radden rocking chair that once belonged to Mrs. Lowe, who was blind. The chair was on display in the lobby when the families bought the hotel. Ruth had it moved to a locked storage room on the fourth floor. Only her husband Rush has a key to the padlock. You're listening to State Haunts by Mountain State Mysteries. The rocking chair sat undisturbed for some time and then mysteriously disappeared. It was nowhere to be found in the entire hotel. Several years later, it reappeared in the same spot in the locked room. Guests at the low had taken numerous photographs to show an anomalies of unusual lights, patterns, and orbs. 
Ruth Finley gives tours of the hotel that included ghost stories told by her guest. Up Main Street from the Low Hotel is the historic State Theater, a worn but comfortable theater where talks and stage presentations are offered. The theater, designed in art modern style, opened in 1942 with seating for 700. It operated until 1980, then it closed and sat vacant until 1993. The theater reopened early in 1994, but closed as a movie house in 2003. It presently is used for stage performances and serves as the venue for lectures during the annual Mothman Festival. During the festival, it also features screenings of Mothman films and documentaries. When the Silver Bridge collapsed in 1969, the basement of the building next to the theater which was a hardware store, served as a temporary morgue where some of the bodies pulled out of the river. A shadowy form is sometimes seen heading into the ladies' room on the main level. Other presences are felt throughout the building. In addition, the spirit of the state's first owner, Ross Filson, is said to walk up and down the aisles every night around 8.45 p.m. as though he's just checking things out. Other phenomena includes objects being moved around and a light in the projector room going on and off by itself. The Old West Virginia Ordnance Works, known as the TNT Grounds, is another mess for Mothman enthusiasts and paranormal lovers. There have been no sightings of the Mothman duplicating the original 1966. 1967 wave. Though some who have prowled that area after dark say they have seen shadowy forms that might be Mothman. Plenty of other haunting activities occur on the grounds. However, in its World War II days, the Ordnance Works covered 8,320 acres. The TNT and other wartime products and other munitions manufactured in the plant were stored in about a hundred above-ground concrete igloos, whose massive steel doors could withstand a bomb blast. The igloos were camouflaged with dirt and grass. The Department of Defense owned the plant, and the U.S. Army oversaw all of the productions of the TNT from 1942 to 1945. After the end of the war, the TNT plant was closed. The soil was heavily contaminated with waste, TNT byproducts, and asbestos. The area was decontaminated, and the surplus munitions were sold. The plant was torn down in 1945. You can actually still see some of the ruins today. The army deeded 2,785 acres to the state to be used as a wildlife preserve. In the McClintic State Wildlife Management Area was created and is used for public recreation. Other portions of the land are owned by Mason County and private citizens. There have been ongoing cleanup throughout the years, including a major project launched in 1991. The Eagles have been the favorite sports of researchers and investigators. Most are closed and sealed. But if you are open and are accessed via footpaths of the networks of roads through the area, investigators have captured photographic anomalies of orbs, streaks, and unexplained shadows and misty shapes. 
as well as EVPs of mysterious voices, some believed to be Native Americans. Some visitors often feel uneasy in the enclosed, as though they are being watched or many presents are crowded around them. In 2010, a freak explosion occurred in one of the bunkers that still contained some live munitions. Luckily, it happened during the day, so no one was in the vicinity. The area was completely sealed off until inspections of the bunkers were completed. Other hauntings have been reported in the area as well. Dark forms, known as shadow people, have been seen on the footpath, gliding up and down at night. It seems to peek into the igloos as if they want to see what people are doing. State Route 62 is haunted in the vicinity of the TNT ground. Dark figures have been seen leaping across the highway. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of Mountain State Mysteries State Haunts. Stay tuned for the season two premiere coming very soon. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and wherever you listen to podcasts.